Perhaps some refreshments. Come join us. Let's stand and sing together. Come now is the time to worship. here with us this morning. I promise we're going to do a children's sermon and then it's going to get quiet. We'll try. We're working on it. We're trying to do a new schedule to keep the kids in here for a little while, let them sing with us and dance with us, and then they, they're going to go out after a children's sermon. It's, we're just, it's new and we're adjusting. We're going to be great. It's so good to see people getting excited about church, whether it's us or not, and coming and joining us and dancing with us in the morning. So we're glad to see everybody here with us this morning. Let's sing Shout to the Lord.
taken a big group of the uh, kids from the youth group to go skiing this weekend. The report is no broken bones yet, but they're not coming back till Monday, so we'll see. Um, but they're doing great. They're having a good time yes. skiing. And we are um, really excited um, in Andy's absence to have Thomas playing with us this morning. We are, um, Andy, this is Jimmy's secret attempt to get us a little more swing style, a little more gospel style with our singing. We've practiced with Thomas this weekend. Um, and Jimmy kept saying, well, stop doing so straight. Stop sounding so straight. We just can't help it. We sing straight from the hymnal most of the time, and we're just trying our best to sound gospel style. So this is our attempt, just a closer walk with thee.
you know, they sing that a lot at the nursing home that I go to, except that they usually sing just a walker close to the... We invite you to get something else to eat and uh, uh, greet one another. And children, come assemble right up front here to, to, for a few moments with Kelly. <laughs> It's good to see everybody this morning. Thank you for coming back for our second children's sermon. I want, I've got something I want Carson to do for me today, okay? Does anybody know what this is? What's in this tube? What is this? What's in this little tube? What is that? Toothpaste. And I want Carson to do me a little, we're going to do an experiment this morning, all right? Carson is going to squeeze all this toothpaste. Sorry, Mr. Neal. We're going to squeeze all this toothpaste out onto this plate. He's going to squeeze it out. Let's, let's hold it up high. He's going to squeeze it all out. You see that? He squeezed it all out on there. You got it all? All right, good job. Okay, Carson, that's part one. You ready? Here's part two. Use this spoon, and will you put all that toothpaste back in there for me? Can you try? Okay, try real hard. See if you can get it back in there. Is it working? It is. I think you're getting a little bit in there. Okay, it's hard to do, isn't it, Carson? It's hard to, once you squeeze all that stuff out, it's hard to get it to go back in, isn't it? Good job. That was a trick. I'm sorry. Okay. You Maybe if you had a straw, maybe a toothpick might help, too. We could stick it down there and it'll look good. But that spoon makes it really hard. And, guys, what that what I wanted to show you that toothpaste thing today to tell you this. Sometimes we let words come out of our mouth so easy. It was real easy for Carson to squeeze all that toothpaste out onto that plate. And the words just jump right out of our mouth sometimes. And sometimes mean things come out of our mouth, too. Have you ever said something that maybe you had to say you were sorry for? said some mean things. Well, sometimes mean things just jump right out of our mouth. And it's really hard for us to put all of those words back into our mouth. Because once we say them, they're already out. We can't get them back in. So what we have to do is we have to think, think, think before we say those things. We want to make sure that we say only good things. Yeah. And you have to spit when you brush your teeth. That's right. You do. And get the that's right. You do. Well, you know who can help us with our words? Uh-huh. 
you do have to get the nasty stuff out of your mouth and you brush your teeth, that's right. You know, who can help us say nice things? Who's going to help us? Who's can help us? Who can we pray to? Who do we pray to? We pray to God and we pray to Jesus and we ask them to help us say nice things so that we won't say any bad things and we won't have to, to try to get our words to go back in, okay? So we need to remember, to, we, get, we have to think before we speak so we don't say any mean things because it's hard to get mean things to go back in, okay? All right, let's pray together this morning. Close your eyes. Dear Lord, please help us this week to think about what we say and not say any mean things. And if we do accidentally say some mean things, Lord, help us to say that we're very, very sorry. In your name we pray. Amen. just tell you, Pastor Arthur does not care if they're crying, moving, laughing, spilling noisy children around here. How wonderful it is to have children here. So I know I was a daddy one time and I heard every sound John and Hillary made. Uh, you're going to do that, but the rest of us aren't going to pay that much attention. Just know we're glad you bring your children here. And if we're not here for them, I don't know what we're here for. So, um, uh, noisy church just means you've got a church with hope and a future, and so uh, don't ever worry about that. Good to see everybody. Um, I tried to get Lee Clement to stand up here beside me so I could introduce you, but she went back and hid back there. She's, uh, wave at us, Lee. <clears throat> yes, uh, uh, she's better known as Scott Keeley's sister-in-law. Uh, but anyway, she's transferring her membership to our church, and we're delighted to welcome her into our membership. And I know a couple of little boys that are glad to have Aunt Lee here uh, with them at church, and so we are too. We invite you to share with us any prayer concerns you might have, uh, and the way we do that is to have you write what you want to write on an index card. And uh, our ushers are coming with these cards and pencils. If you lift your hand, they'll get you one. Please write something you don't mind um, me reading. And please remember, I went to Whitney Elementary School and write in ways I can read. <clears throat> that would be very helpful. We also will be passing around the attendance of registration uh, pads in a few moments, and we invite you to register your attendance with us. We had uh, a couple of deaths within the congregation this week, and we remember uh, fondly Coach Phil Clark and our friend Calvin Price. Um, both uh, died this last week. Both had funerals this past week, and our thoughts and prayers remain with their family members as they adjust to uh, this new reality of, uh, of life without these folks that they love. We also uh, heard, uh, I heard overnight that 
Margie Crowley's brother passed away. His name was J. Paul Ross, Jr. He has been on our prayer list for some time. He had uh, uh, pancreatic cancer, and his funeral is this afternoon down in Elgin, South Carolina, which is down around Camden, Columbia area, about 3 o'clock. So uh, be in touch with Margie in the days to come and wish her well also. The youth who did not go to risk their necks on the ski slopes are invited to come tonight to the Pizza Inn for the buffet that they have there at 7 p.m. Um, I believe that's what the bulletin says the time is. That's right back here on Wade Hampton. Uh, good time of fellowship and a good time of eating pizza. We invite you to be there for that. Are there other announcements? Let's see. Council on Ministries, I know, meets tonight at 7 o'clock. Um, don't know what else is happening. Any other announcements we need to share? How, how are the basketball season, how is the basketball season going for the various teams? Don't ask? Okay. Yours is good, huh, Carson? Not good. Y'all are having fun. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> If you're ready with your uh, prayer cards, I'll ask the ushers to come and help collect those. I see Ann Hammond moving. That means we probably have some uh, statements here, year-end statements of giving for last year. Ann has. If you haven't picked yours up, please see her later. She'll be glad to get that for you. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we are grateful that as Jesus came to this earth, people recognized that there was something different and unique about him in every way. Even from his infancy, they noticed that there was something different about this grace-giving child, we rejoice that Jesus challenged the adults in the temple with his questions and his insight when he was only 12 years old, and they marveled at his wisdom. We're grateful that Jesus revealed himself in another way when he came through baptism from John the baptizer and you poured out your Spirit upon him. And people saw what appeared to be the Spirit coming like a dove. And people heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son. We are thankful that we share in this revelation and that we see in the life of Jesus such courage, such peace, such joy, such insight guidance that we receive from his wisdom every day. Most of all, we're grateful that he was the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. And we gather today as people who need the Lamb of God to take away our sins. And we come because we are needy people in need of Your love and Your grace and because we're thankful that You have bestowed upon us Your grace in Christ Jesus. These are our special prayers for this week. We continue praying for healing for Alicia Dittmar following her surgery. We continue to thank you for Mark Johnson's recovery from his kidney disease. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for a safe trip from Kentucky to Greer for Lee Radline's mother today. We pray for healing for Carl Reinick and Mike Berg. We pray for Emily Field and family as Emily battles cancer. For Renee Potter who is battling cancer. We pray for one for a, for a man with aggressive leukemia where there is no medical hope for a cure. We pray for the Price family and the Clark family that you might heal their hearts for Margie Crowley on the death of her brother and for Tara Tipton Fultz in her battle with cancer. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus who taught us to pray saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Here now our scripture lesson for today. Let's see. John 1, 29 through 34. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with, with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then, God, then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Here ends the lesson. For this reason I came baptizing. <clears throat> Did you ever stop and wonder why you're doing something that you're doing? Something motivates everything that we do, and sometimes understanding what it is 
can help us to make needed changes. We are motivated by love or hate, greed or generosity, fear or faith, loneliness, and even curiosity. When one of my nephews was a preschooler, he's a, a young adult married fellow now, but when he was a preschooler, he accidentally dropped and broke a glass in the kitchen. Seeing the up, upset look on his mother's face, he thought very quickly and said, this was the reason he had dropped that. He said, I always wondered what the look on your face would be if I did that. Well, he already had learned that it's hard to be upset at a cute kid, you know. Um, he, he got himself out of that trouble. But we may wonder, why is it that we baptize people? Let me see here what I've got next. What motivates us to baptize people? The reason is rooted in all the baptisms of the ancient world. Baptism is not unique to our tradition or even to the Jewish heritage, nor to John the baptizer. Various religions uh, used baptism as a form of ritual cleansing. But we Christians usually in our minds connect the practice of baptism with John's baptism for repentance. We've linked it with the concept of washing away sins, although it was not water that washed away sin, it was the blood of Jesus that did that. But I'm concerned that we haven't linked the baptism that we experience today with the main reason that Jesus performed baptism. In his words, his main reason for baptizing people was to prepare the way of, the, of Christ and to reveal Jesus to the people. Who are you, John? They ask. I'm the voice in the wilderness crying, prepare way for the Lord. Well, why do you baptize people, John? Because the one who sent me told me to baptize. And he said that I would see the Spirit descend on someone, and that someone would be the Christ. The reason I came baptizing was to reveal that person to people, John said. The focus of his baptism was preparation, but also to make it possible that the Christ would be made known to his people. I didn't do a good job of uh, connecting my, my uh, prop today. Here we go. We have often debated in churches how we baptize, how much water we use, whether baptism is necessary for salvation, but I think we've often missed the main focus. For as Wesley taught, baptism is a means of grace. It's an avenue whereby Christ might become real to someone and reveal to them. It is a moment of epiphany, or ought to be. Every time someone is baptized, we should wake up and see that Jesus is being revealed in our presence. He is in our midst. You probably heard about the Methodist and the Baptist pastor who were debating about the correct way to baptize a person, you know, whether to be immersed or sprinkled. The Methodist said, well, let me ask you a question. If a person is baptized and they're covered with water all the way up to the top of their forehead, are they baptized? And the Baptist pastor said, absolutely not. The top of the head's got to go under. And the Methodist said, well, that's what we baptize, the top of the head. 
we take care of what you just said. How is it that baptism reveals Jesus today? First, it reveals Christ because it expresses God's acceptance of us just as we are. We call that grace. Someone has made an acrostic out of that word grace, breaking the, the different letters down till it formed a phrase, God's riches at Christ's expense. God can love us and accept us freely because it cost him dearly. It cost him his own son's life. You can tell that Jesus is nearby when God's gracious acceptance of someone is being expressed anyway, but especially in baptism. All baptism, especially infant baptism, fulfills the scripture that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we didn't know any better, Christ already had paid the price. Just as surely as Christ is present in our midst as we partake of the Lord's Supper, so he is present as we celebrate God's acceptance of us at baptism. Just as Jesus heard the voice from heaven claiming him as God's son when he was baptized, so at our baptism, God shouts to us from heaven, claiming us as his child. You're mine, we ought to hear. I claim you. I am pleased with you. How blessed it is to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father claiming us. And that's what water baptism is all about. But baptism enables Christ to be revealed to us in another way. Baptism is an immersion, all right, but it really isn't an immersion in water that's important. It's being immersed in the body of Christ. The fellowship of believers where we can learn about Christ from people in whom Jesus lives. It is from other Christians that I learn the ways of Jesus and that I am encouraged to grow in Christ's likeness and in this way baptism reveals Christ to me. Baptism signifies the start of Christian discipleship and our entrance into the fellowship of his church, the place where Christ lives and where I get to know him. That's the important immersion, immersion into the fellowship of Christians. There's some exciting things going on in our church right now. At least I'm excited about it. I'm excited that in, for the first time in many churches that I've been a part of, there is a post-college young adult group. These young adults went off to college and they came back and reformed their MYF group. They just were a little bit older and maybe wiser. I don't know, some of them went to Clemson. <clears throat> but, um, but they meet together every week and their Sunday school class is growing and they go out on Sunday nights. Oh, it's so exciting to me. That's immersion in the fellowship of the church. And, and then something else is happening on the next tier up. I guess that's the not so young marriage. Um, I don't know what the name of your class is even, but, uh, I know that, uh, uh, it's growing like leaps and bounds. And at last week they, they ran out of chairs. And, uh, and that's an exciting thing when people are being immersed in the fellowship of the church and, and are, are 
creating bonds that will carry you throughout life. You don't have to be alone. That's immersion in the body of Christ. And it is there you will find Christ revealed. It may be at a Christmas party when something happens that draws you closer to Christ, but it gives that opportunity for that to happen. And then I see something very significant in John's words. For this very reason I came baptizing. In other words, my whole purpose in this is that Christ might be made known to the people. His purpose in baptism was the same purpose that he had in life. And it was really one single purpose. And that was to make it where Jesus would be recognized by the people. And that should be the purpose for our lives as well, shouldn't it? We who call ourselves Christians, who may feel like life is purposeless sometimes, there's always a purpose, always a reason. And that is that through us, Christ might be revealed to someone. That'll preach, as my preacher friends like to say. It's a way of saying amen. Paul said that his purpose for living was was Christ, and that if he died, well, that was even better. That was greater gain. Whatever we do with our lives vocationally, revealing Christ to others is our most important calling. Believe me, this world needs to be introduced to our gracious Lord. Christ and his ways are strangers in our world. I offer as proof of that statement how quickly we Americans will sue one another over anything. Like the bumper sticker said, to err is human, to forgive is out of the question. We hold one another to standards so high that we cannot avoid failing one another. And when we do, we cry for vengeance and blood. We don't want forgiveness to be offered. We want revenge to be exacted. But it's a miracle and it's God's grace that enables us to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I accept you as you are, even if you're different from me, even if you have failed me. Oh, the ways of Jesus are stranger, is a stranger in our world. Grace came into our world through Jesus and it still comes through Jesus in our lives whenever we use our lives as revelations of Christ to others. My purpose, said John, is to reveal God's grace to others. Uh-oh. Well, just like I said, I had nothing to say and that proves it. No. <clears throat> I trust that will be our motto as well. And then I see in John's words a reminder not only to individual Christians, but to the church as a whole. In reference to his church and to its work in the world, we are to be instruments that reveal Christ to the world. Sometimes we forget why the church exists, and when we do, our church socials become very little other than meetings of glutton anonymous. We have lots of those. Our choirs become entertainers. Our women's and men's groups become civil uh, clubs. Children's activities become babysitting services. But when we remember that all that we're about at the church is to make opportunities for someone to experience Christ in their lives, then our socials become places where people might grow closer to the Lord. Choirs or voices 
lifting up our spirits into God's presence. Men's groups and women's groups become places where we find the love of God and acceptance of God. Our children activities become places where Jesus can become our friend. Another mistake the church has often made in history is that we become law enforcement officers rather than grace givers. That happens too often in the church. And when we become those who feel it's our duty to enforce certain standards of our society, we inevitably lose our ability to reach that lost soul in the world, those who have failed to keep the standard. We are a rescue organization. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. The well have no need of a doctor, he said. We need to remember that the church was intended to be a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. This story is told by Father Anthony DeMello called The Rescue Squad, and it's been summarized in just a few paragraphs. I'll read to you now. Long ago, there was a dangerous strait of the ocean that was especially difficult to navigate. Oh, I'm back. There's the dangerous strait that was dangerous to navigate. Storms tossed the ships, and the ships would often break up on the rocks with great loss of life. Finally, some brave women and men decided to form a rescue squad. When the alarm was sounded, they would rush to the beach, launch their boats, and risk their lives to rescue the drowning sailors. People applauded their bravery, and others joined the crews. After a while, they realized that it was useful to have a simple boathouse on the beach in which to store their equipment, as well as the first aid supplies for the rescued who would be injured. The rescue squad members were cold and wet when they finished their work, so and so they were they would hang out at the boathouse for coffee and donuts to warm up. There was a lot of downtime between rescues, and so recreational facilities were added to the boathouse. People started to gather there even if they didn't take part in the rescues. The boathouse became more of a social club, and the emphasis shifted away from the rescue work. Some of the rescue squad broke away from the original group and started a new rescue squad a little ways down on the beach. From a simple boathouse, they launched their boats when there was a shipwreck and saved many lives. More people joined them. Gradually over time, their boathouse became a clubhouse too. So another group broke away and formed their rescue squad and launched their boats into the storm. After a time, a series of exclusive rescue clubs lined the beachfront. Ships still broke up on the rocks and sailors needed rescuing, but no one paid much attention to that anymore. That's a sad parable about what has happened in the history of the church. As one group after the other attempted to break away and form a church that would do what God called us to do. And so easily we lose our way and become exclusive clubs instead of rescue squads. May God keep us from ever forgetting that our main purpose is to reveal Christ to the world 
to a world that is in constant need of being rescued. Amen. Let us worship God now by giving. Oh 
of faith as we uh, use the Apostles' Creed, <coughs> Apostles Creed to express our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
We have several other families waiting to join the church. I'm sort of waiting upon you to tell me the Sunday you want to acknowledge that because you may want to have grandpa. I never know. Just let me know when you want to be acknowledged as your uh, membership here. And others of you that may want to join our church, it's a very simple matter of telling me. And we're glad to we acknowledge baptisms and all other traditions, and so we don't uh, have to dry you out or, or, or push you under. Uh, we acknowledge your Christian experience and our brother and sister denominations. Um, bring where you've been and come be a part of us here. We'd love to have you as a, an official part of our church family, and you're welcome to do that on whatever occasion that you choose to do that, and uh, we'll, we'll welcome you into the family. And now may you go forth in peace, and may your life be a revelation of Christ to others. Mm-hmm.